Welcome back to another episode of But It Is Rocket Science. Welcome to November, everybody. Thanksgiving is coming up. That's right. Anna, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints. Not much has changed since we last talked. (laughs) Any highlights of the week? (laughs) Oh, I went to Target. Heck yeah, what'd you get at Target? (laughs) I got two sweaters and then just some boring stuff that I needed, like dental floss. Yes. And face wash. For those of you who don't know, Anna and I love Target. (laughs) I do, and I haven't been to Target in so long because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Target's the best place to go for, like, I needed dental floss and face wash and toilet paper, that kind of stuff. Yes, it's the best place to go for that stuff, but then I also really like how they have that stuff, and then they also have just nice, I don't know, clothes and makeup and, like, all this fun stuff, and books, and it's so easy to get lost in Target, and right now, I've been limiting my just, like, going anywhere that going to Target really is an adventure. It's a big deal. Yeah. When I get to allow myself to go to Target, it is a big deal. It feels like an amusement park. It was, yes, I bought two sweaters because <laughs> I couldn't decide what one I wanted. And I'm trying to think. I think that was, that was the only exciting stuff. Oh, I needed a new nail polish top coat. Like I went to paint my nails for the first time and since the this whole pandemic started and I opened up my top coat and it was just done. It was just all dried out and gross because <laughs> I haven't used it in six months. Oh my gosh. Nice. It was good. Quite the adventure. What were the highlights of your week? Oh, well, I road tripped home to my family and I'm with my parents now. A highlight would be that I drink a lot of chai when I'm around my parents. I'm usually a coffee person, but when I'm at home, my mom loves chai. So we'll have chai like two times a day. And it's actually wonderful, especially with the Thanksgiving fall weather. Oh, that sounds so nice. Yeah, it's really nice. It just makes it makes home extra cozy. So cozy. That's my highlight. <laughs> so we have a tradition in my family. I don't know where it came from. That on your birthday, you drink hot chocolate. <gasps> yes, I was actually with Anna's mom on my birthday. And Anna's mom got me some delicious hot chocolate. <laughs> yep, she, <laughs> it was fun. And so it makes sense because Hannah's birthday is in the winter. But you, we do it on everybody's birthday, regardless of what month your birthday is in. So my birthday's in the summer, and I wasn't, I obviously wasn't home, and so my mom sent me hot chocolate mix that I didn't use because it was boiling hot in my apartment, but I found it, so I've been using it now in the cold days. Oh, yummy. I know. That sounds wonderful. Who doesn't love a warm beverage on a cold day? So good. Have you ever had an iced hot chocolate? I guess that's just chocolate milk. I feel like it would be different, (laughs) though, but yes, I have not had it, but I feel like it would be a different thing. Yeah, I think you're right. But I could see how... I don't know. Because hot chocolate... I feel like if I just heated up chocolate milk, it wouldn't be hot chocolate. That's true. That's a good point. But I can see why. Like, my brain is like, it should be that, but I don't think it is. (laughs) 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 Really deep thoughts. (laughs) Now that you've all been entertained by our riveting conversations... (laughs) Oh my god. I saw some meme or something on the internet that was like, if a dog wore pants, would it just be on the back half? (laughs) Or would it be like on all four legs up? Uh, Did that consume you for like half an hour? (laughs) Well, I was team 
only the back legs because that's like the legs i don't know i really i i i need to go places again (laughs) (laughs) but alas here we are here we are so today on this episode we are going to talk about solar sails that's right i'm really excited about this one this was a good one i always say that i need to come up with like a better (laughs) phrase uh it's our anaism it works (laughs) I also say you got this a lot to the point that for my birthday a couple years ago, Hannah got me a bracelet that says you got this. <laughs> it was so perfect. I saw it online and I was like, I need this right now for Anna. <laughs> I wear it all the time. Um, Should we introduce ourselves? Yes, let's do it. All right, everyone. I'm Hannah. And I'm Anna. And this is... But, but it, it is Rocket, Rocket Science. Science. All right, Anna. Do you want to go ahead and kick it off with the technical description I want to kick this off more than anything. I started my research how I start all of my research. I just Googled solar sails. <laughs> I love it. Now, if you're listening to this episode, you either know what a solar sail is or you're hoping to learn more about a solar sail. I guess option C would be that you just like listening to us and that's really flattering. Thank you. But either way, if you are currently not operating a motor vehicle, I highly recommend you pause this video and watch a YouTube video put out by the Planetary Society Featuring the one, the only, Bill Nye the Science Guy. This is actually what I started with. It's a quick 2 minute, 44 second summary of solar sails. And it's Bill Nye, so it's just fun. It's really nostalgic. It was also interesting. It was the first thing I watched when starting to do this research. It really gave me enough background that it made reading more articles about it easier. Does that make sense? Sweet. Yeah. It's also, it's Bill Nye. It's a fun video. Solar sails are an alternative method for rocket propulsion from the standard rocket fuel or even electric propulsion. Solar sails utilize something called radiation pressure. In a direct quote from Wikipedia, radiation pressure is the mechanical pressure exerted upon any surface due to the exchange of momentum between the object in the electromagnetic field. There's a lot going on there, but don't worry. I'll break it down for you. Sweet. (laughs) It's a lot happening in that sentence. In the case of solar sails, We are specifically referring to light being absorbed or reflected by a body. So every time you step into the sunlight, you experience radiation pressure by photons coming at you. However, their force is so incredibly small, it's impossible to notice. And then the obvious question here is how can light hit or apply a force to something? It's light. It's a wave. And if you've ever taken a physics class, I feel like the favorite line of every physics teacher is that light is both a particle and a wave. So true. Right? It's special. (laughs) Yeah. Really quick, light is made up of photons, which are the quantum of the electromagnetic field, or the smallest bits light can be broken into. Photons have no mass, but they do have momentum. If you've taken Physics 101, you may be wondering, how is that possible? Since momentum is equal to the mass of the moving object multiplied by its speed. So if it has zero mass, it has zero momentum. And you're not wrong. That's normally true, but photons are special. Photons actually still have momentum, even though they have no mass. This is suggested by the photoelectric effect, which is the phenomenon that when electromagnetic radiation, including light, hits a material, electrons are emitted or knocked off. This essentially implies that photons are hitting the object with force and therefore have momentum. That is a very simplified exclamation. Let's write that sentence over. That is a very simplified (laughs) (laughs) 
No. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> Thank you. That is a very simplified explanation of what is going on there. I'll link a paper in the sources, but if you're curious about this, I recommend looking into it. It's some pretty crazy stuff. It's some pretty intense physics. If you're interested, look it up. It's pretty cool. Now, as I mentioned above, every time you go into the sun, photons hit you, but you feel nothing, and you obviously don't see people getting knocked over by photons every day. We're all too heavy for photon radiation to move us. However, in space, where there is no atmosphere and no gravity, radiation pressure becomes the dominant force, and this is the main principle behind solar sailing. As I'm sure you've all heard, Newton's first law, every action must have an equal and opposite reaction, and in space, every time a photon bounces off an object, that object has to respond to that, right? It's being hit, you need the opposite reaction. So a photon hits it, and it is propelled ever so slightly away from the sun. Now, the effect of one photon is negligible, but multiply that by millions, and you're... <laughs> I thought it was funny. Going places? <laughs> Anna has going places in quotation marks in her notes. Because yeah. I wrote that sentence down. I was like, oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> I'm hilarious. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so original. <laughs> Reading each other's notes is fun sometimes. We'll just see how like we're definitely in our heads <laughs> having a conversation oh, yeah. with ourselves. And we'll see like exclamation marks, emphasis on certain words. And in this case, quotation marks around going places. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you're going places. Literally. You are literally going places. <laughs> and then I wrote, I thought this was funny. Just humor me here. Like, who was I talking to? Me? Was I talking to you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm humored. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good friend. All right. So this is where the sail part comes in. If you place a large reflective sheet in front of a spacecraft, it could collect enough photons to push that spacecraft forward. The way I think about this is, if you're on a 30-foot yacht, I wrote boat, but I guess 30 feet would probably be a yacht. <laughs> I don't have a yacht, so I don't know. <laughs> so if you're if you're on your 30-foot boat yacht thing, and you hold up a plastic bag into the wind, that's not going to be enough to move you anywhere. The air captured by that plastic bag isn't going to be enough force to move your boat. But you put the sails up, and you now have a large enough surface area to sail your boat. It can now catch enough wind to power your boat. That's a really good example. So you said that we can move away from the sun, you know, with action and reaction. But what if you want to move towards the sun? That's actually a really good question. And Bill Nye illustrates this in his video, that video I mentioned up above. And it's really cool because it follows the same principles of sailing. So to move away from the sun, you can tack. In sailing, what you would do is you would turn the front of your boat through the wind such that the wind ends up on the other side of the boat, changing your direction. You could do the exact same thing with a solar sail. Oh, that makes sense. And again, it's really tricky to explain this. I would really recommend you look at that Bill Nye video, or even just, I guess, watch a sailboat tack. Like, you're moving the front end such that the sunlight would end up on the other side, and it'll push you in the other direction. But I think a visual aid would be very useful here. Yes, I can see in my brain when you kind of imagine the solar radiation, think about it as rays of sunlight. Yes, exactly. But yes, I think looking up a visual would be very helpful here. And also, I just want to do a shout out to Anna because she is a sailor in real life. <laughs> so she really knows this. <laughs> I'm a novice, but I'm learning. I have sailed a boat. I'm certified. Thank you, Hannah. 
Of course. Moral of the story, you can go to and away from the sun with a solar sail. The solar sails, what kind of material can they be made of? That's a good question. It can't just be anything. They have to be lightweight and cover a large surface area. It didn't occur to me until I was researching this. It has to be flexible since the sail would have to be stowed at launch and then deployed once in orbit. You can't just launch these big old sails deployed. Solar sails require a flat, smooth material that is, as discussed above, reflective. Current solar sails are made of lightweight materials such as mylar or polyamide coated with a metallic reflective coating. These materials are incredibly thin on the order of microns. For reference, a human hair is approximately 70 microns. It obviously depends on the person, but this is an average. Some solar sails are less than 5 microns thick. Oh my gosh. Meaning they're less than 14 times thinner than a human hair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did not realize they're so thin. For those of you who haven't seen what a solar sail looks like deployed, go look on Google Images. These are beasts. They're so huge. I had no idea when I looked at them that they were so thin. Yeah, they're huge and they're really thin. I can't even, like, how they're manufactured must really be an incredible process. Oh, yeah. Imagine, like, stretching cellophane over a football field. (laughs) Right? But, like, it's even thinner than cellophane. Yeah, you'd have to be really careful with it. Yeah. And it's also way more expensive than cellophane. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they're really thin. I had no idea. And then I just was like, I couldn't figure out a smooth way to make this transition happen. I just wrote that in my notes. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But an important question I wanted to answer was, why don't we see more solar sails being used? You don't need to carry any propellant with you. That sounds awesome. Agreed. I agree. I wrote the statement. I agree with it. (laughs) (laughs) Solar sails are great for exactly that reason. You don't need any propellant. You just use the sun or light, which makes it a great contender for exploring the outer edges of the solar system because you don't have to carry that extra massive propellant with you. And possibly one day we may even be able to explore other solar systems. But the main reason we don't see more of them is simply size. At this point in its technological development, solar sails need to be very large. Hen and I hinted at this already. And the objects they're propelling need to be small, which only makes them really feasible for CubeSats at this moment in time. In an article from Space.com, which will be linked in the sources as per usual, in order to reach the periphery of our solar system, Les Johnson, who is the deputy... (laughs) Les... I'm having a day. Les Johnson, who is the deputy manager for the Advanced Concepts Office at NASA Marshall estimated that sails would need to be hundreds of meters long on each side. Dang. However, that doesn't mean they should be discounted. While exposed to the sunlight, solar sails will gain speed, and it's estimated that over the course of three years of being exposed to direct sunlight, a solar sail could reach speed of up to 150,000 miles per hour, or 240,000 kilometers per hour. Going at this speed, it would only take five years to reach Pluto. For reference, NASA's New Horizons mission, that's the one that flew to Pluto and took those pictures that you see, took nine years using a mix of propulsion and gravity assist maneuvers. And if you want to learn more about gravity assist maneuvers, check out episode 19. Woo! Woo! Five years! That's amazing! I know. It would cut off four years from the total mission time. Incredible. That's almost half of the mission time. Yeah. It's really insane. It would probably be cheaper, but I don't think that's a fair comparison because I don't know if 
like I don't know if it would take five years and be able to carry all the same equipment New Horizons had. Yeah, that's a good point. The fact that it could make it there in five years at all is incredibly impressive. I would be interested in seeing those cost estimates sometime. But, you know, there isn't very much, like we've mentioned before, not so much work being done that we don't have a lot of data to, like, see the cost estimates. Exactly. And I don't, I think they're in such a proof of concept phase that the cost estimates wouldn't be a true comparison. You know, like anything that's proof of concept tends to be more expensive of when you actually know what you're doing. That's so true. The data that we have for propulsive thrusters is going to be a lot more mature than any sort of monetary data that we have on solar sails. So it wouldn't be a fair comparison. It wouldn't be fair, but hopefully in 10, 20, 30 years, we'll have a lot more information about it. Maybe it'll even be more commonplace. It'll be interesting to see how those two trade cost-wise. Definitely. Yeah. In summary... Solar sails are really a cool technology. As we already went into, more research and development is needed. So we're probably not going to see Count Dooku solar sailor anytime soon. <laughs> Love it. Anna, that was really cool. Thanks. I had a lot of fun researching that one. I have a lot of fun researching all of them, but this one I particularly enjoyed. Fabulous. Do you want to go into the history? Yes, but first, should we take a break? Let's take a break. Woo, we'll be back. All right, what did you do on your break? I used the bathroom and stuffed a bunch of Ritz crackers in my mouth. <laughs> I also used the bathroom and then I ate some, <laughs> I shoved some of a block of cheese into my mouth. <laughs> We're recording this after work, so I think both of us are very excited for dinner. I have not eaten yet, yeah. But I was like, all right, I got four minutes. Let's eat as much cheese as I can. (laughs) All right, so should we dive back in? Yes. Will you tell us about the history of solar sails? I would love to. Bring it on. All right, so before I dive into the history, I feel that it's important to take a step back and break down the milestones of solar sailing. So while I was researching and reading through all the different articles and the uh, different websites, I realized after I read through everything and written down all my notes, um, when I reflected back on it, I started kind of seeing the major like milestones. At first, I was getting a little in the weeds and confused about it, but Just to take a step back, I'm going to first talk about how they were first thought about and then go into how they were used as an accessory for controlling direction and attitude and then talk about using reflective properties of solar panels as and using those for solar sailing and then eventually the big deal topic is using solar sails as a primary method of propulsion wow this is really gonna be a journey it's it's we're gonna solar sail through this one. Oh my god <laughs> that was really bad <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what your definition of bad is like so bad that i enjoyed it because then we're edging into good <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it um <laughs> all right so The solar sail, like we talked about earlier, is a pretty uncommon term that's thrown around when talking about aerospace. And so that's why it's easy to think that it's a more recent technology. And this is 
partially true. It's actually really interesting. The solar sail concept was actually first devised by Johannes Kepler. This was all the way back in 1608, 400 years ago. He wrote in a letter to Galileo that one day there will be a technology that, quote, provides ships or sails adapted to the heavenly breezes, and there will be some who will brave even that void, unquote. Whoa. Yeah. That was a deep quote. Very, yes, very future uh, looking quote. Yeah, this was 1608. Yeah. Then you think, well, when does Kepler's idea actually actually start coming to life? When does it come to fruition? Well, we are going to have to fast forward almost 200 years after Kepler. There was a scientist, James Maxwell, very famous scientist, who showed that photons can exert a pressure. And he showed that when photons collide with a shiny reflective surface, as Anna went into earlier, they push that surface forward. This was in 1865? Yeah. That they figured this out? Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Whoa. Did we know if germs existed in 1865? Like, I don't even know. Yeah. What was the state of medicine then? Like, when did germ theory come about? When did germ theory begin? Thank you for auto-completing that, Google. A transitional period began in the late 1850s. This work was later extended by Robert Koch in the 1880s. So we were still in the thick of figuring out what germs were. That's amazing. (laughs) But this Maxwell had figured out solar radiation. Yeah. Incredible. And its propulsive effects. Yes. (laughs) Wow. That's cool. It's super cool. (laughs) All right. So now that we have a little bit of footing on where the concepts of solar radiation, how old they were and when they were devised let's get into a few nasa missions first i'm going to go into a few nasa missions that have felt the effects of photon momentum transfer and then we'll go into missions that intended to use photon momentum transfer for propulsion so in 1960 echo one which was the first passive communication satellite it was huge it was 30 meters or 98 feet in diameter it was a giant reflective balloon that was essentially a passive reflector of microwave signals. It was meant to be a reflector for television, voice, and radio signals back then. So during the flight of Echo 1, the balloon itself felt photon pressure. It was victim to photon pressure. And I read this quote on the NASA website, in quotes, Photon pressure played orbital soccer with the Echo 1 thin film balloon in orbit. The shards were flung far and wide by sunlight. It's such a good quote. And I also feel like as an engineer, that's such a nightmare. Oh, definitely. Like it just accidentally happened to be large enough and reflective enough to become a solar sail. Right. Exactly. Darn. But very cool. Yes. It was... Definitely an engineer's nightmare, but also it was an enlightening experience because at this point, there wasn't a lot of, there was no research really being done into solar sails themselves and using them for spacecraft. So even though Echo 1 was, had a rough time with solar radiation, NASA used their learnings with solar radiation for their own benefit later 
during Mariner 10's mission. In 1974, 14 years after Echo 1, Mariner 10 was on a mission to fly by Mercury and Venus. And like Anna said earlier, if you want to learn more about gravity assist maneuvers or flyby missions, check out our episode 19, all about that topic. Yeah, I think we actually specifically talk about Mariner 10. Exactly. We actually go into Mariner 10 quite a bit. It's a pretty cool spacecraft. Definitely. Agreed. So Mariner 10 was cruising along to Mercury when it started running low on altitude control gas. But fortunately, on this mission path, there was sunlight. And the mission specialists tapped into their creativity and thought, hey, why not use our solar panels as solar sails? So then they manipulated the angle of the solar arrays such that the sunlight's pressure would direct the spacecraft in the intended direction, and it actually worked, which was pretty amazing. That is so cool. I didn't know that about Mariner 10. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Like, could you imagine what they all must have been feeling like? They're like, this thing's going to run out of fuel. We're done. Yeah. And then they come up with something like that, and it actually works. It's like they're sitting there with their fingers crossed, please, 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 and it works. Yes. (laughs) Brilliant. So cool. Absolutely brilliant. Around this time, a team at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, worked on a spacecraft that would utilize solar sails in an effort to rendezvous with Halley's Comet, which was supposed to be really close to Earth in 1986. However, this project was canceled a year later, uh, hmm. but the year of work and research by the team did prove that solar sails could be useful as a propulsive mechanism for spacecraft. Okay, so it wasn't all for nothing. Yeah, it wasn't all for nothing. During the following few decades, groups around the world were beginning to invest in solar sail research. In 1992 and in 2003, India's INSAT-2A and 3A satellites, also used for communication purposes, used solar sails to counteract the solar pressure on the solar panels um, that were on the satellite. So they used solar sails as an additional feature for like a counterbalance, uh, for attitude control, not as a primary propulsive mechanism. So around the time that INSAT 3A was launched, which was 2003, NASA was in the process of working with ATK systems to build two 20 meter, 66 feet in diameter solar sails. Ooh. Yeah. These two solar sails were successfully tested on ground in vacuum conditions, but unfortunately NASA stopped funding for solar sails and other advanced space propulsion technologies soon after these successful tests. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Let's hear it. It kind of reminds me, in a way, just of the linear aerospike. Like, it gets funded, stuff happens, it doesn't work out, it drops off. It gets funded, it drops off. It gets funded, it drops off. Solar sails are definitely a little bit different in that we've successfully flown solar sails, and I don't think we've ever successfully flown a linear aerospike. But I don't know. It was just making me think of that. Yes. Uh, That is such a good um, connection because it's just such a, it's a history of turmoil. (laughs) It feels like. That is a good way to describe it. Yeah. It's ups and downs. Like they're really popular. Everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. They kind of drop off. Yeah. Then they come back again. Exactly. Every single time I was reading about these separate missions, I kept hoping like, I was like, okay, 
what kind of research came back? What kind of measurements came back? And then it just ends sadly. And they're like, JK, we never float. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, I come on. I was invested in this. Come on. But yeah, just like the linear aerospike engine, solar sails have so much potential. So in response to these budget cuts by NASA, NASA Marshall Space Flight Center responded uh, in an effort to redirect that time and research and money that was put into uh, solar sails work into a smaller solar sail project called NanoSail D, which was a subscale solar sail system for small sats. <laughs> That's so many S's. So many S's. Can you say that five times? <laughs> I don't even want to try with my track record today. <laughs> so the NanoSail D mission flew on the Falcon 1 rocket launched in 2008, but unfortunately that flight failed and NanoSail D didn't make it to space. No. So sad. But a spare of NanoSail D was developed known as Hannah just wrote a spare of nanocell D was developed known as the nanocell D I think it was nanocell D2 did I just forget the two like yes (laughs) we got that it was called nanocell D (laughs) yes nanocell D2 I'm sorry everybody (laughs) that that made me laugh really hard This spare NanoSail D2, everybody, hold on. It was supposed to be deployed from the FastSat satellite in December 2010, uh, two weeks after its launch. But unfortunately, it did not eject. But. What? Oh, no, there's more. There's more. (laughs) Finally, there's some happy news. In January 2011, a whole year later, it ejected by itself. It was finally done with its tantrum and decided to come out (laughs) of the spacecraft. A year later. A whole year later. The sails were deployed in January 2011 after it had ejected. So the sails deployed three days after ejected, and the satellite beacon signal began transmitting data for the solar sail. Wow. And What a journey. It was, yeah, quite a journey, but we got there. It happened. It happened. So, jumping to the next mission, Icarus. So, in 2010, 2010 was a real game changer for solar sail progress. In May 2010, the world's first interplanetary solar sail spacecraft called Interplanetary Kite Craft, accelerated by radiation of the sun, the abbreviation is Icarus, I-K-A-R-O-S, was launched. Okay, I mentioned this to Henna earlier. I'm pretty sure they were trying to, like, there's that old, is it a Greek myth where it's Icarus and he gets wings and his father's like, you can't, like, warn him against complacency and hubris. Like, if he flies too low, he'll get, uh, he'll drown in the ocean. But if he flies too high because he's too confident, he'll fly too close to the sun. I think that's what this is attempting to reference. It's spelled very differently. Yeah. We would have to look it up to be certain, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that's a very... It It would be, would be quite a coincidence, a coincidence, right? Yeah, I would be shocked. If that wasn't the intention, but it worked out. <laughs> I like it. I think it's Oh, fun. yeah, definitely. 
And it's fun to say, too. Icarus. It is fun to say. All right, getting back to it. Icarus was designed and built to test four technologies. The first was the deployment of the 200 meters squared solar sail in space. That's huge. And observing its behavior in response to the deployment, this behavior was to be measured using altitude, using attitude sensors and cameras on the spacecraft. The second uh, technology to be tested was the power generated by thin film solar sails solar cells mounted on 5% of the surface area of the solar sail, which I thought was really cool. We're not only talking direction control, but now we're also talking about power generation. So they were going to put solar cells on the solar sail? Exactly. Yep. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, solar sails will propel you, but they can't store power or provide energy. Yes. Like you need the solar cells solar cells so much happening (laughs) you need the solar cells if you want to produce power for things like electronics exactly gotcha okay cool taking full advantage of the sun yes taking full advantage of the sun and that surface area the third was to measure the thrust values in response to solar radiation pressure so basically how effective was the solar radiation pressure against this 200 meters squared solar sail and how fast and how far could we go with it? The last was attitude control by changing the reflectance of these panels. So this is really, really cool. The solar sail was composed of these liquid crystal panels and by applying an electrical voltage the reflectance properties, they can alter the reflectance properties of these different sub panels within the larger solar sail. And by varying the reflectance of the various sub panels of the solar sail, they could vary the attitude, the direction control. Whoa. Yeah. I thought this was phenomenal. That's so cool. <laughs> like that's, I would have never even thought to do that. That's so cool. Yeah. Like applying an electrical voltage to these to see how the properties would change of the of this liquid yeah. crystal. Yeah, so that you can then change your direction. Yeah, yeah. So I think a good way to imagine is like imagine that like fifty percent of your sail is highly reflective, and fifty percent of your sail you can make it like say you have your solar sail and you make a divide down the middle on the uh, vertical. And 50% is super reflective and the 50%, the other 50% isn't very reflective. When the solar radiation hits it, the, you're going to get more pressure against the highly reflective side. So you can imagine pivoting, that solar sail would then pivot the spacecraft because of the highly reflective side. Wow. Yeah, very cool. So Icarus was launched by JAXA, the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency. Eight months after its launch, it had passed Venus and was working as expected. By this time, it had also achieved all of its technological test goals. Test goals. So this was December 2010. It continued to wow. operate past its intended mission. So this is real good news, finally. 
<laughs> it continued to operate past its intended mission, but its attitude control began to degrade and downlink data became intermittent. Hmm. Yeah. Icarus was put on hold in 2012, reactivated in 2013, but the data wasn't coming um, back very often. The downlink connections kept becoming more infrequent, and the spacecraft continued in and out of hibernation mode approximately five times until 2015, and that's when data stopped coming back. But the good news was that did achieve all of its technological goals. It worked past its intended mission timeline, and it made the Guinness Book of World Records as the first solar sail spacecraft to go between planets. Wow. Yeah, very neat. And this is so recent, 10 years ago. Yeah, that's not that long. Mm -mm. There have been plenty of experiments and research projects along the way in the history, but substantial experimental work for solar sails is actually pretty recent. So I focus on the projects that stood out to me the most and hit the major milestones on the course of the solar sail history. So of course this episode doesn't cover everything, and I would encourage anyone who's more interested on the research, the science side of solar sails to go, you know, do the research yourself. There's a lot of information out there. All right, so we're just going to hop right into the present since it's a rather shorter section. I'm ready. Solar sail research, solar sail work today, a notable uh, project was done by the Planetary Society, which designed and built the Light Sail 2. Before we start the discussion on Light Sail 2, you may be wondering, well, if there's a Light Sail 2, then how about Light Sail 1? Yes, there was a Light Sail 1, and it was launched in 2015. It had its ups and downs with communication, and its solar sails were deployed for a week before re-entering the atmosphere. Not saying, Aww. yeah, not saying that this wasn't a notable success. It very much was an important stepping stone on the path to successfully using solar sails. Uh, I just wanted to focus more so on light sail too. That makes sense. Yep. So light sail two, as I mentioned, was developed by the Planetary Society. For those of you who don't know, the Planetary Society is very cool. It is an- It is really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm surprised we don't talk about it more. Yeah. So it's an international space exploration nonprofit that raised its funds through a crowdfunding campaign for LightSail 2. Basically, like what GoFundMe is, GoFundMe is crowdfunding. And they raised their funds through this campaign to design and build the LightSail 2 spacecraft. Or Kickstarter. Yes, or Kickstarter. That's a good one, too. The Planetary Society was founded by Carl Sagan. And it was founded almost 60 years ago. And Bill Nye, actually, Anna brought this up earlier because she <laughs> brought up Bill Nye's vi uh, video that she watched uh, through the Planetary Society. He is actually the CEO of the Planetary Society. And this international Ooh. nonprofit group has about 60,000 members, which... That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, when I looked that up, I was amazed. So many people internationally are involved in... You know, the space research, space outreach. It's very cool. It is really cool. Space policy. <laughs> so getting into LightSail 2. LightSail 2 demonstrated that a spacecraft can use sunlight as the primary method of propulsion. It was deployed by a Falcon Heavy in 2019, and it demonstrated that it could climb orbit with solar sails alone. 
It is only the second solar sail spacecraft after Icarus. It Oh my god. Yeah. It's crazy. I guess I didn't realize there was only two. Like I did all the research. I knew Light Sail One didn't work, but I didn't put together that one and one is only two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes you know when we do the research we'll talk about certain missions and we leave out a bunch of missions, but in this case, we're covering all of it. <laughs> we got them we all. We got them all. So the good news about LightSail 2 is that it is still in orbit around the Earth. It was supposed to actually re-enter the atmosphere in 2020, but there was a call for extending the mission timeline and it was granted. And now it will re-enter the atmosphere in the second half of 2021. So it's still collecting data. I would highly recommend checking out the Planetary Society's web, uh, website to learn all about it. Um, Bill Nye has some really awesome videos about it like Anna mentioned earlier yeah and I actually think you can see like images from that light sail 2 has taken yes yep that's very cool Hannah that was awesome yeah thank you that is all I have for the present and I'm really excited to hear about the future uh spacecraft that will be utilizing solar sails I for unfortunately there's not a ton but what I could find I at least thought was pretty interesting fabulous well should we take a break first and then get into it Let's do it. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. I ate a mini Twix bar during my break. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) It was. I don't even, like, I'm doing that thing with candy where I eat all this, like, I eat it in the order of which I like the most to least. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, I ate all the peanut butter cups, and then I ate all the Snickers bars. Uh, I was doing the opposite. I was eating, like, the worst ones with my Halloween candy, and then progressively getting to the better ones. See, the way I see it is when I only have the worst ones left, I only eat it if I want it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good point. But it goes the other way, too, because then you have, like, good stuff left over. Yeah. There's no winning strategy. They're really, I don't even know what it is, but at least we get candy. I was going to say, probably not eating Halloween candy, but I'm not doing that. (laughs) Heck no. (laughs) Okay, you ready to learn about the future of solar sails? Yes, please. Enlighten us. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) That was actually very good. That was very good. Uh, On accident. Total accident. That That was a good one. 10 out of 10. All right. So as I prefaced, I couldn't find a lot of information about future solar sail missions. However, in August of 2019, NASA announced that it had selected two proposals to, direct quotes, demonstrate small sat technologies to study interplanetary space. I believe the goal of this is to better understand space weather events, which have the potential to impact astronauts and spacecraft. This is in support of NASA's Heliophysics Solar Terrestrial Probes Program. That was a lot. A lot was happening there. (laughs) That was a lot to say. Which is a series of missions that will focus on studying the Sun-Earth system. This is really cool. Again, as we always say, if you're curious about this, I recommend digging into it. It's a really neat program. As I mentioned in August of last year, NASA selected two proposals, both of which were funded at $400,000 for nine-month mission concept studies. So essentially, they're like, we just want you to detail out further the mission and what you're going to do and what your plan to build it is. 
The first one chosen was called SETH, or Science Enabling Technologies for Heliophysics. The principal investigator is Antti Poketinen at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. I'm not going to talk about this one since the episode is about solar sails. However, the second one is the Solar Cruiser, which would demonstrate the use of an 18,000 square foot or 1,672 square meter solar sail to provide propulsion. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That is so big. <laughs> like, what? How many square feet is a football field? I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Okay. A football field is 57,600 square feet. Not quite a football field, but we're getting there. Well, the recent light sail, too, I didn't mention it, but it was a 344 square foot or 32 square meter solar sail. It was a baby compared to the solar cruiser. Yeah. It would also demonstrate a coronagraph instrument with the capability to measure the sun's magnetic field structure and the velocity of coronal mass ejections, or CMEs. I didn't know what a CME was. And they are when a significant amount of plasma and the accompanying magnetic field are ejected from the solar corona. That's the ring of plasma around the sun. They commonly follow solar flares, and a large enough one has the potential to mess with electrical grids on Earth. This is actually a serious concern among scientists and various groups that a solar storm or a big enough solar flare could knock out power to a significant portion of the Earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's actually a TV show about this on the BBC called Cobra. Is it like a documentary or is it like a sci-fi type of... It's like a political drama slash sci-fi. Okay. It follows the British Prime Minister and the British, I guess, cabinet is the word you would use after a solar storm event knocks out power to a decent portion of the UK. Cool. And it's kind of about their response and what they're doing. It's a great show. It's still going on. Like, it's not over. They're still putting out new episodes. It's called Cobra. You know, I love shows and movies that are natural disaster shows and movies. Yes. Just like seeing scientists come together and solve the problems. Oh, completely. I'm not even joking to you. I watched the first episode of the show and I went and bought a wind-up radio. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm buying them for all my family members as Christmas presents because I didn't have one. And if the power were to truly go out, I wouldn't have any other way to get news. Besides going into my car and turning on the radio. And again, I'd run out of gas eventually. Yeah, that's such a good point. Anna, that's really smart. And then there are other things that you could use a, you to wind up radio for. Earthquakes, hurricane preparedness. Oh, completely. Buy a wind up radio. <laughs> I got mine for $20 on Amazon. So I watched the show and I was like, I should own a wind up radio. Okay, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> the whole episode is not about how you should buy a wind up radio. <laughs> but the principal investigator for this solar cruiser project is actually Les Johnson at NASA Marshall. That's the same guy I quoted above talking about solar sails. It's been more than nine months since the proposals were chosen, but I couldn't find what one won. I did, however, find a paper published in the Bulletin of the American Astronomical Society in June of 2020. I just wrote 202. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> in June of 2020 by Johnson et al. titled... The Solar Cruiser Mission Concept, Enabling New Vistas for Heliophysics. In the paper, it refers to the Solar Cruiser Project as a candidate technology demonstration mission for flight in 2024. But I don't know if that means it was chosen or not. Does a candidate technology mean it's a candidate or like the one that was picked? I don't know. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. Either way, I'll link to the paper in the sources. But possibly the most popular planned solar sail project is Breakthrough Starshot. Breakthrough Starshot is a research and engineering project underneath Breakthrough Initiatives. Breakthrough Initiatives was started in 2015 by Julia and Yuri Milner. Straight from their website, the Breakthrough Initiatives are a suite of space science programs investigating the fundamental questions of life in the universe. Are we alone? Are there habitable worlds in our galactic neighborhood? Can we make the great leap to the stars? And can we think and act together as one world in the cosmos? Very deep. Very cool. Yeah. The goal of Breakthrough Starshot is to develop a proof-of-concept fleet of light-powered, fast nanospacecraft. This would lay the groundwork for a future fleet that would be able to explore nearby planetary system Alpha Centauri to search for other Earth-like worlds. For reference, Alpha Centauri is 4.37 light-years away. So, not close. (laughs) (laughs) The project was founded in 2016 by Yuri Milner, Stephen Hawking, and Mark Zuckerberg. Pretty all-star crew there. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) The concept for Starshot is for a mothership to deliver thousands of small spacecraft to a high-altitude Earth orbit in which they would be deployed. Upon deployment, a phased array of ground-based lasers would focus light beams on the nanospacecraft sails to accelerate them to their target speed within 10 minutes. And then the spacecraft would be on their way to Alpha Centauri. This is really interesting. So instead, what they're saying is rather than using the sun to slowly gain speed, they would aim a laser directly at each of the light sails and use that to very quickly gain speed. That's really awesome. Yes, and really cool. And how you aim a laser on the ground to something in space, I don't know. That's incredible. Yes, it blows my mind. It's a really cool idea. The initial budget for the project is $100 million, and Milner estimated the first craft could launch as soon as 2036. As always, there's a lot more to this project. It's worth digging into if you're interested. Fascinating. Right? And that is all I could find on future solar sail missions. Anna, that was fabulous. Thank you. This was fun. It was. My friend Dan suggested that we do an episode about laser propulsion, but I figured, hey, we hadn't done one about solar sails, so let's do that first. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks, Dan. Great idea, Hannah. Thanks, Anna. You're the best. (laughs) So are you. All right. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Yes, I would love to. You can find us on our Twitter, but it is RS. You can find us on our Instagram at but it is rocket science. You can find us on our Facebook page, but it is rocket science. You can contact us through our contact us page on but it is rocket science.com. We would love that so much. So much. If you especially liked our episode, we would love to hear your thoughts about it or any of the other episodes. Please, please write us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. You'd make our week. Yes, you do. Please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe so you can get notifications about when we post new episodes. Yes, please. And then something, Hannah, first of all, A, you did an awesome job rattling on that off. Thanks. I struggle with that a lot. And Anna (laughs) usually takes on that portion. (laughs) You did awesome. B, something I want to mention. Hannah and I are going to be taking a little break for the holidays. That's right. But don't you worry. We will be back in January. Yes, that's right. We'll miss all of you. We will. But we'll be coming back with a lot more energy to kick off season three. 
Yes. And then I'm going to try to make us a TikTok. My mom was like, I think you should make a TikTok. (laughs) What? Is your mom on TikTok? She's not. But she is on the social medias and was like, I think you should make But It Is Rocket Science a TikTok. So in my free time, I'm going to try to make But It Is Rocket Science a TikTok. I have not at this moment. But when I do, hopefully before this episode goes up, I will post what our handle is in the show notes. Fabulous. Anna, thank you for taking that over. <laughs> Look for Hannah and I on TikTok. <laughs> Anna knows I struggle a little bit with the social media, so <laughs> I'm no master either. <laughs> Anna will take charge on this TikTok project. <laughs> We're going to have a TikTok. I'm going to do this. this is, I feel like most people aren't like, I'm going to get a TikTok. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to commit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I sound so old. Uh, oh, man. We're getting there. Anna, do you want to tell everyone about your sources? Oh, my God. Yes. I apologize ahead of time. There's a lot. All right. The first thing is that Planetary Society article I found. It actually has the YouTube video linked in it, embedded in it, that I talked about, that Bill Now YouTube video. I found an article from Space.com about solar sails. So I found this paper from this physics website about photon momentum. If you're curious about that, I recommend you check it out. I used the Wikipedia pages on photons and what a quantum was and the photoelectric effect. I used an article, I used Discover Boating to get a really good definition of tagging. (laughs) Nice. Yep. I used the NASA website for a PDF all about solar cell development. I used just a website to get a reference for how big a micron was compared to human hair. I used another space.com article about solar sail spacecrafts. I used... (laughs) I went to the Star Wars fandom. I'll link that if you want more info about Count Dooku's solar sailor. I don't know. Where, where have I been? <laughs> I will have a link to the article I spoke about written by Les Johnson et al. and the solar cruiser. And then I have the Wikipedia page for Breakthrough Starshot as well as the website BreakthroughInitiatives.org. That's all I got. Awesome. Great. All right. So my sources included an MSNBC article, Solar Sail Mission Reflects Past and Future. I also had a paper from a NASA website for a brief history on solar sails. I used another NASA.gov article on Mariner 10. I used a planetary.org article, just like Anna mentioned, for what is solar sailing. I used the Wikipedia pages for Project ECHO, I used a paper called NanoSail D, a solar sail demonstration mission. It was an Acta Astronautica by Les Johnson et al. (laughs) He's just everywhere. He's everywhere. I used a TechCrunch article about the LightSail 2. Used a Wikipedia article about the LightSail 2. I used Wikipedia for the Icarus mission. And I also used another paper from Acta Astronautica about Icarus by Y. Suda et al. I'll have that linked in the sources. And I used a What is the Planetary Society YouTube video, and I'll have that linked in the sources as well. Fantastic. Fabulous. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Actually, real quick, I wanted to say rest in peace, Alex Trebek. I really love Jeopardy. Yeah. You will be Rest missed. in peace. Okay. Now we can end it. <sighs> All right. Shall we close it out? Let's do it. Go for it, Anna. Until next time, space cadets. T minus three, two, one, liftoff. Nice. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you back soon.